That's a, a good question. Are you a follower of Christ? Um, you know, Kevin said, what do you love? Do you love the things of God? And I want to continue the message that I had last time of choosing life. And really, that's what God loves, his life. And God came, sent his only son to die on the cross for us so that we can have life and conquer death. And we still experience death, but yet in our lives we, we don't. I talked about choosing life and death. I talked about suicide and abortion and euthanasia. And I just saw a report yesterday that suicide is even higher than what I gave last time I, I shared. And it's so sad that young people are giving up their lives <clears throat> because of whatever. And then that's a choice of life and that's a choice of death. But I would like to go into this uh, message talking about causing life or death. And I ended with a verse in Proverbs 18, verse 21. It says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So death and life, and it's not that you're causing someone to die, physically die, but your, your tongue is responsible can be responsible of causing someone to die out spiritually and even coming to the point in life where they feel like they're not worth anything and they might as well give up their life and they take it. Our tongue. You know, we, we don't think that our tongue is that deadly. But if you really want to think about it, um, I, mean, I mean, sure, all of us can think of those in the past who's, who commented, who were cruel in their speech, and, you know, and it did affect you somewhat. You know, I, I drive by a house every now and then that that person uh, done something to me, and, and I remember that, even 56 probably 50 years later, I still think of that when I drive by. And I can imagine, you know, some of the, the words we say, you know, our children growing up in their older years can, when they see mom and dad, they'll remember. And it seems like, I don't know if it's embedded in them that much or if Satan keeps bringing it up. But I want to go read a few verses, and one's in Proverbs 10, verse 11. The power of the tongue in, in giving life. And I would like to share that first. The mouth, in Proverbs 10, verse 11, the mouth of the righteous man is a well of life. But violence overcometh the mouth of the wicked. So we get the, the picture of a well that springs water. It gives you life. And if you lived in uh, 
back here when this was written, that was a very valuable thing to have, is to have a well. And anyways, so think of that as uh, water comes out of your faucet and it gives you life. I mean, our bodies pretty much function won't function if we don't have water. Well, it says a righteous man, the mouth of a righteous man springs forth life. So think of that in your speech. The words that you say, the compliments, the encouragements, the, the good things about the, that person can be a well of life springing forth through through your mouth. Now we'll go to Proverbs 16, verse 24. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. So think of think of your, your pleasant words as being sweet to the soul and health to the bones. And I often heard that kind of life is in your bones because in the marrow of your bones is where what produces the blood cells which gives you life. And so a, a good word or an encouraging word is like a sweetness to, to your bones and its health. And now I go to Proverbs 31. This is talking to the um, virtuous woman. It says, She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. And I was thinking of, do I have a law that I won't allow my tongue to break? You know, so often I don't. I just say what comes to my mind, and I I speak it without thinking. But this lady, a virtuous woman, has the ability to have the law that she she has made a, a law in her life that her words are only going to be kindness. Speak kindness to her husband. Speak kindness to her children. Speak kindness to those in the city that she's selling and doing business with. All these words have an an encouragement to us in building life. And I want to go to Colossians 4. No, I want to go to Proverbs 16. I'm going to go back there. There's one more verse I wanted to share. Verse 21. It says, In the wise... The wise in heart shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. So think about, you want your child to learn. A teacher wants their pupils to learn in class. Well, one way to do it is the sweetness of your lips. Your, how you say it, what you say can either encourage learning or it can discourage learning. And I'm sure you teachers probably know that when you yell at a student, they kind of back away and, and they don't learn. And 
that is everything in life. You know, we, when I teach someone to do, in the past, to do my job, you know, sometimes it was very frustrating because I told you this many times. Why do you keep doing it this way? Sweetness of our lips is going to increase learning. And then I want to go to Colossians chapter 4. In thinking of, of our speech, Colossians has a good way of, of saying it here, if I can get to it. Colossians 4 verse 6. Let your speech be always with grace. Season with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man. And if you do a really look at that verse, so what does that mean when your speech is to be always with grace? And thinking of, of grace, and the, if you look up that word, you'll get this divine influence on the heart that is reflected in life. So, what is the influence of my life? Well, I trust it's, you know, if it's with grace, it's going to be uh, Christ. The divine influence of God influence on my heart has changed my life. And because of that, my speech is that way too. A speech of thanksgiving, a speech of being thankful for for what God has done for me, and then also how you and how our friends and how others have influenced my life. A speech of, of gratefulness. And then it says, season with salt. And we all know that salt has a way of making things better. And so we, we use our speech. And because of the answer to every man... And sometimes there are questions that are asked that we don't know the answer. But our answer to a lot of the questions we do know is going to point back to Christ. Because we know what Christ has done for me. And how that has influenced my life. And this is what I learned. And this is what I present in my answer to you. Words that are just spoken out of whim. Whim but comes from the heart. You know, it, words that just come out of your mouth, you know, you know, when you say a whim, just pops up and you say it. If your heart is in the right direction, and I want to go to those verses that Kevin read um, here in a little bit, but if your heart is in the right direction, then our words are going to, that heart is going to influence what pops out. You know, if just all of a sudden you say something, you know, what's in the heart is what's going to come out. <laughs> so I'm getting way ahead of myself here. So I want to go to Matthew chapter 5. Now this is where uh, Jesus addressed the language of the Pharisees. And, yeah, in Sunday school we talked about the Pharisees and how Jesus didn't appreciate their lifestyle and what they've done. But in Matthew 5, verse 22, 
there's a language of the Pharisees that Jesus didn't like. Well, let's read. Well, I'll read, start with verse 21. Ye have heard that has said of them of old time, Thou shalt not kill. Whatsoever, whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Reka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. So in thinking of, of encouraging and, and giving life in your speech, now we're coming to causing death to someone in their, in their life, causing someone to walk away from Christianity, or maybe even causing someone to walk away from, from home because they didn't appreciate what was said. But looking up that word reka, and why they used it was, if you look at the meaning, it means worthless or empty. And, you know, we say, well, we don't go up to someone and say you're worthless or your, your head's empty. Bonehead is, you'll see. But yet, sometimes I think we may say words that re- refer to that. You know, will you ever learn? I'm worthless. I've told you this many times. I'm too dumb. I'm worthless. You'll never amount to anything. I'm worthless. And Jesus was saying, and they were using that word to, in their language, and Jesus was saying, you shall be in danger of the council. And then he comes around to says, if you call someone a fool, you're in danger of hellfire. Why is it so severe to call someone worthless and to call someone a fool? God is the creator of life. You'll see that. We know that. God made people in his own image. So that's me. You, the one sitting beside, the one you work with, the one you see on the, in town and so on. God made people in his own image. To call a person a fool is to show utter contempt for him. In other words, you're not good enough. I, don't, I won't even consider sharing the gospel with you because you're, you're a lowly person. You're not worth being considered in our home or in our church or wherever. Using the word fool is external expression, so it's the outward expression of the inward act, what's in my heart, of despising that person. And because of that, you're cutting him off because you despise him which Jesus says is murder. Um, The inward act of despising that person. Have you ever felt that about someone in life? You know, I have a feeling sometimes we, we do without realizing 
death words. Some words that cause, and maybe it's not, I'm using words that aren't words you use, but it's those, it's your approach on your speech. So you may say different things, but if you use this approach, it can be very destructive to to someone you're working with. And one is a critical spirit. Always criticizing. Never good enough. And you may say, well, I'm a perfectionist. That's no excuse. Being critical can be destructive. Being bitter. Showing a, a heart of bitterness. And sometimes we can, we can share that when we're trying to help someone and we become, um, it just comes out. Uh, an angry approach can be very destructive. Throwing a temper, throwing things. Um, I don't know if you've ever experienced any of that in your lifetime, but, you know, sometimes, you know, the teacher will be teaching and, and they'll throw the eraser because there are, people aren't listening, try to wake you up, so they say. But sometimes I wonder if they're angry. Um, lying, flattering, encouraging pride, lifting them up to a point where they can't reach it can be very harmful. Harsh and gossip is very harmful in a Christian life, especially when they are gossiped about. The words that would I would use that would promote life is blessing. And what I mean blessing is to to encourage your child, you know, that I'm praying for you, that, you know, you're worth something, you're, you're valuable to me, and I'm praying that God will use you in your life. Being kind, being gentle in our speech, in, how, in our approach, in teaching, loving, being truthful, praise, give them praise. And sometimes I think, I really lack in that in a lot of ways, praising someone. Understanding, grateful, polite, and courteous. So these approaches that we have in our speech to those around us is life words. They're going to give you life. They're going to encourage you in your Christian walk. And it's going to help you come to the knowledge of Christ if you haven't already. And if you have, then it's going to help you to grow um, in your spiritual walk. And I want to go back to Matthew 12, which Kevin read. I want to read those verses. Actually, I'll just read one verse since he's already read it. Well, no, I won't. I'll start with verse 33 of Matthew 12. Either make the tree good and the fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and the free tree fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by his fruit. O generations of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. We are speaking 
the abundance of our heart. So what's our speech like? You know, if, if we come across and chew out your children and, and show a fit of rage, what's in my heart? It isn't. I mean, it, it's a concern of, of why you're, you got upset, but it, you should be more concerned about your heart and how the abundance of your heart and what comes out. If you're frustrated in life, most generally our speech is going to come out in a frustrated tone. You know, you're teaching your children or you're teaching your pupils or Sunday school or wherever it may be, and you don't feel like people are listening and you get frustrated. I don't know if you, Daryl and Kevin do that, but sometimes I feel like you guys aren't understanding me and I get kind of frustrated and maybe say some things I shouldn't. Frustration can cause me to say things that really aren't good. I can have a bitter heart, and it seems like always point back to this thing. Well, this is what my dad did to me. This is what mom said, and and we go and we live with that for years. And I would like to encourage you, which I will in a little bit, to change that heart. Okay, I want to go to Psalms, chapter 19, verse 14. Speaking of, again, the, what's in the heart is going to affect our speech. Let the words of my mouth, that's your speech, And the meditation of my heart, that's what's in the heart, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So would God be, would God accept your speech? Maybe this morning it was okay. But would God accept how you act around your children, how you use your mouth freely around your workforce, people you work with, would God, would God appreciate that? Would God accept that in your life? And I, I know I can look back and say that I have done things, said things I shouldn't have. And, you know, I've Probably did a lot of it because I, out of frustration. But, you know, that's wrong. And I think that's where God can speak to you and you can change your heart. But what's hard is, is this affects that individual, especially when you do it in the workforce and you you got a non-Christian looking at a Christian speaking like this. What does that say? It says a lot. And going to John 10, I want to shift gears here a little bit. Speaking of life and death, and Jesus says, I have come to give life. 
Now, we already have life, so what does he mean he's coming to give us life? Well, if you look at the John 10, it's talking about a good shepherd. He talks about those who were the shepherds in the past who were only robbers and thieves, or they weren't true shepherds. Uh, The thieves would come and steal, and they would run away. And I think he's referring here to some of the leaders in the past who took the life out of the sheep. And that's where I think each one of us has to realize that we can take the life out of an individual. But Jesus says here in 10, verse 10, chapter 10, verse 10, The thief cometh not for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I'm come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So Jesus says, I have come that I might give life. So the way he shepherded his sheep was promoting life to them. And part of the promoting of, the, of life was the protection from the evil around him. So what is this life that he's talking about? Is, is this, this life here on this earth? When Jesus says, I have come to give you life, it's forever, eternally. You have life, life never ends once Jesus has given you this life. If you go to 1 John chapter 5, I missed, uh, I think I missed a portion. Well, I'll, I'll just pick it up later. 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 or chapter 5 verse 11 and 12 1 John 5 11 and 12 it says and this is the re- record that God hath given us eternal life and this life is in the son he that hath the son hath life and he that hath not the son of God hath not life so it's either to receive this life, you have to accept Christ as your Savior. So either you have this life or you don't. And it's only in the Son that you have this life. And then go to John chapter 3, verse 15 and 16, which probably most of you can do it by memory. Uh, John three fifteen to 16. But whosoever believeth in him should not perish case but have eternal life so this life is eternal this life goes from from the moment you accept it there is no end that's hard for us to comprehend because we do in our lives we do have an, an end at some point for God so loved the world and that's you and that's the person you work with the one who's, you would say, low class in this, in this world, if you had those, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So this life that God is giving to us 
is free for all. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who you, family you grew up in. It doesn't matter if you live in a homeless. This life is for each one of us. If we go to Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. How do we get this life? If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So it's a commitment to Christ in giving your whole life. goes back to what? Kenny was saying this morning, it's everything. It's giving your speech. It's giving your heart. It's giving everything to God. But then John also says, I have come to give you life, which is eternal life, in which we are, most of us have accepted. But I'm going to give it more abundantly. And that word abundantly is go beyond or something more. And it's like, yeah, we look forward to this abundant life of leaving this earth behind us and going to be with Christ. But when he says, I come to give you life, I think he's saying, I'm giving you abundant life now. We can live that abundant life as we go through through our lives. And we can read that in Acts Chapter 2, verse 28 reads, Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy continence. So not only is he coming to give us eternal life, Jesus also is going to give us joy. And we say, well, I don't have joy. If you have eternal life, we have so much to be thankful for. I want to go to Romans again, chapter 8, verse 6 and 8. It says, for to be, no, I missed this paragraph here. You know, if we, if we go to Timothy and we go to Titus, we, Paul is telling, telling both of those that God has given you grace, mercy, and peace. Grace, mercy, and peace. And you'll read that several times in the New Testament that God has given to us. So along with this eternal life, he's given us joy, and then he gives us grace, mercy, and peace. And that we can live that in our lives as we go through life. Then Romans 8, 6 to 8, it says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Then I want to read a verse in 1 Corinthians 3.3. 3 says, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying, strife, divisions, 
are ye not carnal and walk as men. So what he's saying here is, if our speech is causing division, if our speech is causing, um, that's what place here, strife among us or divisions or there's envies along, around us, then you are carnal. And you cannot have that and you cannot become a Christian. I'm, yes, you can become a Christian, but you can't live the Christian life and live this way in carnality, be a carnal. I've heard the word carnal Christians. Well, there is no such thing as a carnal Christian. Either you're a Christian or you're carnal, which is following after self. And what is our motive in most things, conversations of life? Why is there divisions? What's our motives behind that? Why are we talking against our brother? Why do we, yeah, why do we gossip? I think a lot of it is itself, self within us. It's our, we have our agenda. We want to do what we want to do. We don't want people telling me how to live my life. And because of that, we are carnal. In James, it talks about taming the tongue. And he says, no man can tame it. So how are we going to control this tongue? Well, the only way we can control it is to give it to God and allow God to speak to us. But I think the real motive or the real thing that we need to look at is what's on our heart. What are we struggling with? What are we fighting? Is it pride? Is it our reputation? I'm the only right way. So in every stage of life, you choose life or death. We can choose life and death as far as living or dying. We can choose not to destroy another person. You know, we, may, we do make mistakes because our tongue is hard to train, but we can. Um, through the grace of God, we can make things right. We can go back and apologize and so on which I've done many times in my lifetime. But, and then we can accept Christ as our Savior, life or death. Outside of Christ is death. And if you want to go to a description of what hell is like, going back to that verse I read about, if you say, Reka, you shall be in danger of hellfire. Then if you go to Mark, it talks about hellfire. It says, where the worm never dieth. It's a, it's a worm that is eaten on you, but it ne- it, it'll never die. And you will never die. And it's fire that is unquenchable. And can you imagine to spend eternity like that? Choose life or choose death. Well, we choose life. Well, let's choose life in every aspect of our lives. Let's, let's promote life. Let's encourage 
those of the age group who are prone for suicide. Let's encourage them. Let's promote life to the point where you take a young child into your home if they're homeless and they need a, need a home. Let's promote life and to encourage one another to, um, in their Christian life, to bless them, to, to desire to want to um, compliment them. You know, say you did a good job, and you may in your heart say, well, you know, I, you could have done better. But no, promote, uh, promote growth, promote life into their, their life. And then accept Christ as your Savior and desire that in all our lives.